I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Here at Ministry Watch, we bring you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. Our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On these extra episodes, we like to go deep with someone who can give us insight on a particular topic or event. And today I have on the program Jane Schoen. Jane is the Director of Strategic Initiatives for the Strategic Resource Group, an organization that funds projects to reach unreached people groups in the Middle East and North Africa, the so-called MENA region of the world. Strategic Resource Group is doing something that, if successful, could have a dramatic impact on the way we do Bible translation. They are using a so-called Translation Service Provider, a TSP, an organization that normally translates contracts, treaties, movie scripts, books, and all manner of other material. They're using these organizations to translate the Bible. The company that they're using in this pilot project is called LinguaLinks. I wrote an article about this process back in August of last year, and today I check in with Jane, who is leading this project, to see how things are going. Jane spoke to me from her home in Dallas. Jane, I appreciate you spending some time with me. I want to follow up on the article that I wrote a few months ago, five months ago, I think, back in August. I wrote the article about this effort that you're leading at Strategic Resource Group to hire LinguaLinks to pilot this new process for translations of the Bible. So my first question, and indeed my main question is, how's it going? (laughs) I can't believe it's been five months. I hadn't actually counted the months. It's going well. It's going, it's going as much, it's going probably better than I initially expected, but not without challenges. You know, I'll be very real in describing what we've worked ourselves through, but um, it's, it's been a project that we have learned along the way and we've actually started a second project. So we can talk about that too. Let's start with the first project. So can you say what that first project is? I mean, I know there are some security issues in the parts of the world in which you operate, the so-called MENA region of the world, Middle East and North Africa, but say as much as you can. Yeah, it is a project. Uh, we're translating for the very first time scripture into the language of Hijazi, H-I-J-A-Z-I. It's a language of Saudi Arabia, and uh, it's historical because uh, the scripture will be um, there, written and oral for the first time in history. And uh, the batch one that we've completed contains the, the four gospels plus the book of Acts. And it's a wonderful time to claim victory on that. You mentioned that you've had some challenges. Can you share some of them? Can you give me a few specific examples? Yeah, Um Some of the challenges and just lessons that we've learned is that um, it's it's an interesting configuration of team members because you have people literally in different parts of the world. Some of the reviewers are in Saudi Arabia, uh, but then some are virtual in the U.S., one's even in Canada. Uh, The translators are in places that are 
technically unknown to us, but we believe some of them are local. Uh, the project leader on the linguistic side is in the U.S., but he speaks Arabic. So it's a very um, interesting puzzle of players coming against this. And some of the challenges have been just managing the dynamic of everybody through COVID, because we've had, like, like every other organization, people struggle with COVID or just playing difficult circumstances with, uh, you know, life and computer breaks down and, you know, so we've had to swap people out. We've had to adjust some of the roles. Um, all of these things, though, Warren, are typical project challenges. There's nothing distinct about anything I've just said to the Hajazi project. I guess the biggest thing that we've adapted is the process itself. Um, we put in actually more checks and into how's it going with the translation. Uh, because there were some books that came back to us in batch one. It was an interesting, there are five books in batch one. Three of them, the first draft, were superb. We couldn't believe the quality. And we moved those three books on through uh, review. But two were of a lesser quality. And so we really paused the whole thing and said, we got everybody together and said, why is there a difference? Did different people work on it? And so we sorted that out, reconfigured some of the translation team and redid those books, those two that were of lesser quality and then moved them through. So I think that kind of uh, trust but verify <laughs> mentality is really going to be key. Uh, so similar thing happened in the next batch, batch two, where we tackled Romans, which is a very difficult, complex book in any language. So we took extra care with Romans. We did not rush through it. And we didn't wait for the entire second batch to be complete before we did a preview of Romans. So we looked at Romans, actually did some iteration between review and translation, got it solid, and then moved on. And now uh, we're reviewing the rest of batch two at this point. When you say review, Jane, I want you to unpack that just a little bit for me. You're doing both a linguistic review and a theological review, as I understand it. I think one of the main objections that traditional Bible translation organizations have to your process, the process of using a TSP or translation service provider, is this, that the Bible is a fundamentally different kind of book. There are theological considerations in the selection of individual words. Are those the kinds of reviews that you're talking about when you say that you're moving it on to review? Yeah, we, so this is where our own learning curve has really accelerated. Any translation process, whether it's with a traditional Bible society or a more modern company or a secular company translating a novel has a drafting part to the process and a review revise. That is just a normal writing cycle, draft review, revise. And that's what we're doing in our TSP project. We're drafting with the TSP and making sure that output of draft is as high a quality as we can. The review then has several components that's highly iterative. And you can review as long as you want, review and revise. And so there's an art and science to how long you do that before you claim, okay, this is version one. So review and revise does include theological review, 
linguistic review and community review where you're showing it to people who speak the language every day and they're, they're giving it a thumbs up. Yes, this is the language. This is what I hear. This is how I say it. The nuances, the total things are, are right. So we've, we've done uh, lots of, even within the three batches that we've touched, revision to the review cycles as we've learned to use tools better and how to do things in the tools or just use word. You know, we've tried in different scenarios to be efficient, but thorough. Well, is it working? I realize you still have many miles to go before you sleep to use the old Robert Frost uh, poem, but uh, are you feeling hopeful or confident that this process could work, might work? Yeah, we are. We believe we have proven the concept. You're right. It's too early to claim victory on the entire Bible. We have seven more batches to work through. So I don't want to prematurely start waving flags. But we have four Gospels in the Book of Acts done that has never existed before. And that's something to write home about, I think. The concept, I think, is totally validated. Um, I mentioned we started a second project, the language of Pakistan. And Warren, we've also started shopping for additional TSP partners to do languages where it's awfully hard to find any translator. So we, I think our working premise now is that this is a very viable process where traditional partners simply aren't present. There are not uh, national Bibles in 20 of the languages in my set of 31 languages. So there is no traditional partner there. There could be, you know, some more modern partners, and we, we try to find those engagement points as they make sense. But we're not going to, you know, slow the whole show down when there are companies who do translation in some of these more uh, rare and tough languages. One problem with traditional Bible translation organizations is that there's not a lot of transparency. And one of the things that you said you wanted to do was to create additional transparency. Uh, having this conversation with me is, of course, one indication of that. Uh, I can't get some of the traditional Bible organizations even to talk with me. But in our original conversation, you talked about monthly reports and scrutiny of the work in progress to make uh, some needed corrections, quality control, that sort of thing. Is that happening? Well, I've never had to demand transparency in this project because it's there. And, and the reason it's there is that this company, company's culture is to have customer intimacy. That's an old business term where you know the needs of your customer and you're seeking to meet those needs. So every time we get them on the phone, which has been many, that's fact one is that we've been on the phone with them, oh, I don't know, 20 times in the last five months, uh, not to just chat, but to iron out some things. So they're totally accessible. The conversations are very open and straightforward, trying to get, you know, we have an agenda, we work through it, we get to the heart of the matter, uh, the dialogue, there's no smoke and mirrors. Um, and so when we talk about process details, they are very forthcoming in saying, here's what we've got going on. What do you think? Okay, let's try that adaptation and so on. So very um, accommodating for process um, adjustments. Schedule adjustments. We're the ones who have been saying, I know we want to do this in X months. 
time is not paramount. What is paramount is quality. So I know because they're a for-profit company, they want to hit their goals and their deliverables and their cost budget. They're a for-profit entity wanting to do that. And I'm saying we will adjust calendar, we will adjust budget, but we must hit quality because this is scripture. And so I've had to be the voice of kind of getting that hierarchy right inside of SRG, but mostly outside into Lingual Links. And they go, okay, thank you. Thank you. We get what you're saying. Well, Jane, talk to me a little bit about budget. One of the things that uh, we said in the original article that I wrote back in August was that you expected to get a complete Bible translation from Lingua Links for about a quarter of a million dollars, and then another $100,000 would be used for the review process, for project management, for community review, and all the stuff that we've already been talking about. So how do those numbers feel now, five months later? Were they realistic guesses or estimates? Are you discovering that, well, maybe you're not going to be able to get it done for $350,000? The sense is that the numbers are still really not wavering at all because we pay by the batch. We pay by the badge and it's a fixed fee right now. Now, if things go wildly different in, within a batch, we would have a conversation about the cost of the badge being different than the estimate. That hasn't happened yet. So our costs are right in line with what we expected them to be. Um, the schedule has been elongated a bit in batch one because we took more time and didn't want to rush. But um, we, and we didn't start batch two until batch one was totally done. Um, but we're now in a, a place where we're staggering the batches. So the timeline will com compress back up. Um, so time and budget are not wildly different. We will have a normal variance of planned versus actual just with real life, but it's not um larger it is probably the smallest variant of any of the projects in my portfolio i want to talk about the end game for a minute let's assume that these three languages two from saudi arabia and one pakistani language go well that's great that's fantastic we'll end up with three new bible translations for a million million and a half dollars in a couple of years which is dramatically better than what typically happens out of the normal Bible translation organizations. But I should also note that you've had a little bit of a luxury of picking languages that Lingua Links actually knows and has translators to work with. So given that context, my question, Jane, is this. Can you scale this process? I mean, yes, you can do these three languages, and you might even be able to do 10 or 20 or 30 more if you cherry-pick the right languages that fit your process. But there are literally thousands of languages that do not have translations of the Bible right now. Is this process scalable to that extent, or maybe is it scalable only to maybe 50 or 100 languages? It's scalable in several dimensions. It's scalable, as you said, in the number of languages we can cover. And Lingua Lakes is a finite company. And so that's why we went back to the marketplace to look for their competitors to see. And we've actually asked for samples of some of our languages in four other TSPs. So we're in this one new dimension of growth is sampling the remaining languages 
of our MENA region with other TSPs. And in some cases, ask the same language of a couple. So we get comparative samples of quality and send those in for validation with the review team. So there's scale in the, the coverage of languages in full Bible translation. Another dimension of scale is doing things beyond full Bible, other parts of content that you would need for a faith journey. Now, discipleship material, leadership material, worship material, dramatization of scripts. Actually, that type of content is easier than doing the Bible. So once you've done the Bible and you've developed some memory, some muscle memory, language memory, doing the other things will be, you know, just go, go, go. So I do think when we talk about uh, kind of a next wave of this strategy, it is doing other content areas for the MENA region that just need efficient translation. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, technically speaking, Jane, but uh, I mentioned paratext in the first article and the fact that you were going to use paratext in this process. Can you say what paratext is and why it's important uh, that you guys are using it? Yeah. Paratext, we've become students of all kinds of checking translation tools. This is part of our job now. So paratext is a big one. Paratext is probably the best known Bible translation tool used by all sorts of entities and organizations who do Bible translation work because it's kind of a soup to nuts translation tool. It handles um, when you're just studying scripture, it gives you all sorts of support and functionality. If you're translating, it lets you generate a draft from a source text, and then you see them both side by side. If you've created a draft, it brings in extra support and reference tools to help you review and revise back to that writing cycle. It also helps you um, publish the tool and store it and share it with a translation community. It has biblical images that you can put into your translation, things like maps that are commonly found in the Bible. It has articles that can help you um, just study up on certain aspects of the content that you're doing. Um, So it supports the whole process. And it's also known as a tool that you can use as a novice, like in a simple way, you can drop down into any of those areas of the process. Or if you're a power user, you can, like any tool, you can go crazy and just have it do all sorts of bells and whistles and and really process the work that you're doing. Okay, so that's what it is. But again, why is it important that you guys are using Paratext in this process? Well, it's a proven tool, and why reinvent the wheel? So why, you know, just use what others, what other great teams are using. That's kind of the first point. Um, it, it is rich, so it is a really strong tool. The other, but I believe our game will be not to limit ourselves to Paratext because there are other tools that really help the revision um, process. One big question, as we've talked about, is how you assess the quality of the translation. And we've started to partner more deeply with um, organizations like Biblica and a few others who develop quality assessment tools for translations, regardless of how they were translated. We've even talked with partners who are doing machine translation 
and then do, they have a machine generate a first draft um, with artificial intelligence and then do the review and revise cycle. Same process that we use, except machines are doing it instead of humans. And so the tools that they use um, to check the accuracy, they call it, in fact, there are dimensions of checking. It's not just accuracy, it's also the naturalness and the clarity. And so we're going to begin to step into what other tools exist to take what we've generated as a version one and consider um, maybe generating a version two with, with more iterations on refining what we've done. So, Jane, I know that this effort is in some ways not in cooperation with, but alongside the traditional Bible translation organizations. It's not that you're antagonistic towards them or that they're necessarily antagonistic towards you, but what you're doing is different, and it has to be outside that uh, process, at least in some ways. Uh, first of all, is that an accurate characterization? And secondly, what are you hoping for, for your relationship long-term with traditional Bible translation organizations? Are you hoping that they will see that if what you're doing is successful, that they can adopt some of these methods and tools? Or are you thinking that that's probably not going to happen and that you'll have to set up some sort of a parallel structure? Oh. Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, but I'll I'll tell you that um, some of our uh, SRG resource partners have been watching our TSP projects very closely because there is this very natural, mm, I don't know, let's see, I hope this works kind of attitude. But what we have found is that they want to support it financially in a in a great way. And the affirmation that we got very recently, last month, was that the organization Illuminations is a consortium of traditional um, Bible entities. All of our partners are in Illumination, so to speak. They um, approved the uh, funding of certain resource partners to be processed through uh, illuminations that would be designated toward our TSP projects. So that to me was a great um, vote of confidence that they're not bulking, they are watching, praying with us, um, and in this case, allowing funds to support this endeavor. So. But that that was so I don't think of us as outside the norm anymore. Maybe last year I would have characterized us that way, but um, I don't actually spend a lot of brain time there. It's really just, hey, I think this is going to work if we're good managers, if we're careful about it. So, Jane, what's next? Uh, what I'm asking is, when can I check back with you? I mean, in another six months, will there be you know, more news. Uh, what do you, where do you expect to be then? I do think there will be news often. And six months is a reasonable time frame. We still have the goal of doing the rest of the translations in five years. So that's a pretty aggressive goal. We need to find partners to do those projects. We need to find translators and we need to find reviewers. And in a perfect world, you find them at the same time so you can put the project together. It's bad to have them out of sync. Um, and my next call is just of that nature. I spend a lot of time with the team 
shopping for translators and and finding reviewers in our network who point us to people and all of that. That's one huge stream of work. The next click of the wheel, though, will probably also be being able to well manage the translations that are done. And uh, there's a you know whole topic space where I think we are stepping into uh, called translation management, where you are using tools that track versions of things. Um, they have uh, translation memory functionality and all sorts of things that keeps track of where you are as you work on different languages so that they're not one-off discrete projects. They're, they're all um, systematized into things that you, like how you keep track of your finances, you use a tool. You, you don't want to just have random stuff all over the place. I don't want the random translations all over the place syndrome. I want them well managed in either a tool that we uh, find and use, or, or we will not build it ourselves because there are these tools all over the place, but we're in the journey of finding which one to use. So Jane, bottom line, is this an incremental step forward or is this a real game changer for the Bible translation industry? Or again, is it just too early to tell? It smells like a game changer. Um, I know we used that word in our first article. I really, I have no reason to say differently at this point. Um, I'm cautious just because I'm a realist, and I know we need to keep working strong as we go ahead with it. I know a lot of eyes are on the Sajazi project, so we are very careful to keep it on track. But the story is very positive right now. And we are um, talking a lot in, in our next consultation in June this year. This will be the centerpiece topic for us. You know, what's working well? What extensions does it have into the mission and so on? Jane, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Warren. That brings to a close my interview with Jane Schoen, who is leading a special Bible translation initiative for the Strategic Resource Group. You can read more about this initiative and all of our coverage of the Bible translation industry by going to ministrywatch.com and typing Bible translation into the search engine. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosell and Ben Warwick. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, and Casey Sutton. I'm Warren Smith, and until next time, may God bless you.